0: Hey everyone, welcome to the I Dare You podcast. This podcast is all about you and helping you reach the big goals you have for your life and what next steps you need to take to get there. I'm your host, Darren Johnson, and welcome to episode 20. Uh, I can't wait for you to hear this interview with Juliana Hever. Juliana is the plant-based dietitian, and her background is so intriguing. She has a Bachelor of Arts in Theater and a Master's in Nutrition. And some of her biggest passions are food and helping people. Now, now she is the author of seven books, including the brand-new Choose You Now Diet, along with Plant-Based Nutrition, The Idiot's Guide to Plant-Based Nutrition, The Vegetarian Diet, and many more. Uh, also, she's written two peer-reviewed journal articles on plant-based nutrition for healthcare professionals. Now, more than that, she's the host of the Choose You Now podcast, and also she's given TED Talks, and she's also instructed the eCornell Plant-Based Nutrition Certification Program. Now, she's also does a lot of multimedia work. She's appeared on the Dr. Oz Show, Harry, and the Steve Harvey Show. She continues to speak and consult with clients around the globe, and you'll see how passionate she is about helping people live their best life. You know, all of us are going to be hearing something different in this interview with Juliana. I can't wait for you to hear it. Uh, Where are you at as far as your relationship with food? Or how are you feeling about where you're at with some of your health markers or your body weight, whatever that is to you? Um, We're all coming at this a bit differently. But consider for a moment how nutrition may be more of an answer than we've ever given it credit for. And uh, think about how plant-based nutrition, a step in that direction and more awareness in that, um, may may yield some pretty big benefits for us and to help us take these steps toward having a healthier you, a healthier us that helps us feel better, helps us think better, and helps us do more. So now, everyone, welcome to episode 20. I can't wait for you to hear this episode, this interview with Juliana Hever. Juliana, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for being here.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Darren.
0: So Juliana, let's start first. Tell us a little bit about Uh, Your story, for those who don't know your background, tell us about who you are.
1: Oh, where do you begin with that? I have had such a journey that I had no idea was going to unfold in the way it has. But I started, I grew up in Los Angeles and like many people in Los Angeles, I was dancing and acting and doing all of that, which led me to having this one experience that I just wrote about in my book where I was about 11 years old in ballet class and, you know, going through the, the changes that girls do at that age. And the teacher yelled out in front of the whole class, Juliana, cut out your snacks. And it was a profound moment for me because as a girl, as a girl in Los Angeles, as someone very sensitive and sitting there in a ballet class in the Leotard and Tyson everything, it hit me really hard. But it also, you know, propelled me on this trajectory that was to become my career. And I wanted to find out what does that mean? And what does it mean to eat healthy and cut out snacks and diet and nutrition and body image and It was a long and sort of journey that had all sorts of things that came together, but ultimately I found, I loved, loved nutrition and fitness. I was, I've been a personal trainer while I was in graduate school and I just, everything came together where I found my passion and I love teaching people and empowering other women, other people to take charge of what they eat, how they, what their diet looks like and how they feel about their bodies and to have a a really good, healthy relationship with food and their bodies.
0: My, that sounds like you're very purpose driven, and why you're doing what you're doing. And isn't it funny how you can look look back on life, and you're pinpointing that one moment that forever changed your your relationship or your view on food and body image. And isn't that funny how we can all look back on something like that?
1: Yes, and of course there are so many other factors and so many other things that that came together. I mean. I had a lifetime that led me to this, that all these little events, but that one was so jarring that it's, it's something that I often think was a starting point.
0: Take us back to college. Uh, did you go right into dietetics then, uh, right into, um, you know, right into college or was it a slow evolution for you?
1: It was so, so convoluted. Okay. So, <laughs> so I was an actress and I was at the high school for the arts here in LA and I wanted to be an actress. I wanted to do Shakespeare and I was doing little TV and film and all that stuff. But, um, I was still learning about this, the, the diet and nutrition component because then I had an agent tell me the same thing. Well, for camera, you have to lose 10 pounds. And, and then I know, and then this one agent sent me to a personal trainer to, you know, figure out how to exercise the right way. By the way, I was like teaching my sister and cousins and friends aerobics classes. I have cassette tapes of me doing that at five years old. So I've been really passionate about fitness too. So I started with this personal trainer and fell in love with that whole idea of like actually guiding someone in their fitness journey. So I, that was it. I, while I was an undergrad at UCLA studying theater and pre-med, I also was going to go to med school at a point. So I immediately enrolled in a graduate school program in nutrition and I proceeded to take seven years to study while I was running my personal training business. And I fell in love. It was the first time I ever got straight A's in school. It was the first time that I was just super passionate about learning and studying because I loved it so much. And it all came together. And that was it. I was training and I was teaching nutrition and I became a dietitian. And then I went back to another story that coincided was that one of the books I discovered as a teenager was Diet for a New America by John Robbins. Mm -hmm and it was the first time that i learned about how food ended up on our plate in such a holistic sense and it it also floored me and i was like wow i don't want to participate in this process and i decided to cut out animal products but i didn't know what that looked like there was no google back then and That was it. And and then I did, I went plant-based. They didn't say plant, we didn't say plant-based back then, but I cut out animals. And then my parents had an intervention because they were worried like good parents would be worried. And they took their friend, our friend, uh, Kendra, who's a nurse and me out to dinner. And they, we went to a steakhouse and they had me order this teriyaki steak with a pineapple ring on top. We'll never forget that either. And all I could think about was as she's telling me, I'm going to be deficient in iron and B12 and all the stuff that she scared me, you know, and protein, 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 protein. And so I remember that first bite and thinking, wow, once you know, you can't unknow. but like most of us were socialized, it's normalized to eat animal products. And I went right back into it and did that as a personal trainer, you know, the, the 18 egg whites a day and chicken breast and I, right back to the old plan. And, uh, and, it, and then I, but I kept realizing, wait a second, the vegetarians aren't just dropping off like flies. You're not hearing that in the headlines, right? So there's got to be more to this story. So that like planted a seed way back when, and I kept learning and studying about that. And then it was once I finished graduate school where I was able to go to the statistics and the studies and look at the literature firsthand and kind of think about it from a different perspective with biochemistry and physiology and all that under my under my belt and that's when I was like oh oh wait a second there is something more to the story indeed and then I changed yeah I changed my diet changed everything about my health and then I just couldn't stop talking about it ever since
0: that's great so you were you know plant-based before plant-based was everywhere I mean you're hearing it now but you were very much an early adopter on this weren't you
1: well, my, my um, colleagues like to call me the OG plant-based dietitian because that's that I was, well, they were saying, you know, there were vegan dietitians and vegetarian dietitians. And I was actually hired for my first book over 10 years ago, maybe 11 years ago to write the complete 80s guide to vegan nutrition. And I got the job. I was very excited to write about it. And as I was writing this book, I was like, I don't really want to talk about it as vegan. I want to uh, change this perspective. And I had learned and studied with Dr. T. Colin Campbell, who kind of coined the phrase whole food plant-based. He did coin the phrase whole food plant-based. And I just thought it was a more inclusive definition. I don't want to, I'm not an ethicist. I'm not wanting to talk about anything. Um, surrounding the ethical decisions to go on a vegan diet, I am a dietitian and I'm coming from it, from a health perspective. So I petitioned to change the title of my book and my agent's like, oh no, honey, that's not going to (laughs) happen. She was like, that doesn't happen at this point, but I made a really strong argument for it. And I know at that time, the term plant-based was on like CNN on the news because of, uh, Bill Clinton, when he went and had his heart attack and then Dr. Dean Ornish and Dr. Caldwell Esselstyn had helped him reverse that process. That's right it was kind of happening. And so it was just the beginnings of it. And so it's it's become quite a thing for sure.
0: So what do you think? What, what are some of the biggest misconceptions that people have about plant-based nutrition? I mean, you're coaching on it day in and day out. What are some of the biggest misconceptions?
1: There are many. <laughs> first would be, I spent the first 10 years or so defending the nutrient adequacy of a plant-based diet and everything I spoke about and wrote about was no, you can get your vitamin D. No, you can get your protein. You know, just, it was basically what I had been afraid from way back when, when, when I was trying this myself and it's still pervasive that you can't get adequate nutrition, but I stopped defending it per se because I recognized that Perhaps one of the myriad mechanisms of actions by which a plant-based diet is so efficacious at having these extraordinary outcomes is perhaps because of what it limits. Not It's not a limitation to have less heme iron, it's actually probably beneficial that it has heme iron. So that's one thing, it's the nutri- nutrition that you can't get enough of fill in the blank nutrient. The other thing is that it's expensive, that you need to have a high budget for your food. That is absolutely not true. I'm happy to debunk any of these. Uh, yeah. sounds, <laughs> the other one, sounds
0: like you're ready for it.
1: Yeah, because yeah, there's that's what I do. I find myself to be a nutrition myth debunker. Um, and the final one that I see as the most pervasive would be that it is difficult to do.
0: I've heard all of those, by the way. In fact, I might even believe, I might even, <laughs> you know, eating healthy, it has to be more expensive, right? For those who are listening, have you ever thought, have you ever thought about that? About how you have this, desire to eat healthier, maybe it's plant-based as Juliana is saying. And some of those um, myths or uh, you know, preconceived notions, they prevent you (laughs) from taking action. So you're saying those are indeed myths, huh?
1: Absolutely. They're definitely myths. I think Anyone that wants to do this can do this and can do it wonderfully. I've worked with all sorts of populations. I have, of course, the LA celebrity clients and I've got elite athlete clients, but I also have worked with, I helped design a program for a food bank and walked people that lived in a food desert through a plant-based program. And I've worked with people all around the world in different types of settings and cultures. And I've seen absolutely everyone could do it. It's just all it takes. There's one, one thing that has to happen no matter what, no matter where you are. The one thing is that you have to want it.
0: Want it, how? In other words, v- just writing it down? I mean, what, what do you mean by that?
1: Thank you for asking. So for the first few years of me teaching nutrition and fitness, I tried to convince everyone. I'm like, no, look at this study. And no, you can actually get off your medications. And actually, and I realized that I was beating my head against the wall. And I'm like, why am I not so... Um, successful with my clients as I want to be like, I just want to help everyone. I want everyone to have optimal results and live happily ever after that's my goal. And I realized I was spending all this time trying to convince people. And so it wasn't until I stopped and I decided, you know what? There are plenty of dietitians and healthcare people out there that will help you if you want to do keto or you want to stay on your medications because it's easier or whatever, fill in the blank. If you want to make a massive transformation with your diet, and get off medications and have this journey and actually fall in love with food in a different way, because I still love food. I'm not like, I don't sit here and chop, chop on uh, carrots and celery sticks. I love good food. If you want that, I will love you all the way through. I will hold your hand. I tell my clients to put me in their pocket and their dietitian in their pocket. I am going to walk them through this journey. So, but if you want it, anything could happen. If you don't, there's no, then it's, it's like hitting your head against the wall.
0: So how how do we help people get there? I mean, whether some think of it as discovering your why or your purpose and kind of that, that really that inspiration for pursuing that goal. How do we, how do we get there? Do you have any insights? I mean, if uh, you've been doing this for a while, how do we do it?
1: I do have some insights. I, this is what my new book about is about the Choose You Now, Choose You Now Diet. My Choose You Now podcast is about choosing you. And I've implemented no, There's nothing novel in this book. There's nothing like extraordinary and 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 different. I've curated my experience and my education along with principles that are familiar from like yoga and meditation and Buddhism and all these other old philosophies of mindfulness. And that is, that is what I'm teaching now and focusing on now. Cause you know, you, you teach what you want to learn and that's what I'm trying to focus on myself. I've had my own personal crazy journey too, but without, without that part of it, it takes a moment. It takes either losing someone you love watching someone suffer with a health condition. A lot of people get inspired by a documentary or a book or a podcast where they're like, Oh, there's, this is an option. You know, a lot of people didn't even know that this was an option. Yeah. But, you know, when I first started teaching healthcare, like I've written a couple of papers for uh, healthcare professionals to teach them how to teach this in their, in their patient base. And a lot of, cause doctors don't learn this in medical school. And when I first started talking to groups of doctors, there were like a handful of them there. And the last one I spoke at before COVID, uh, there was like 1200 physicians sitting in an audience, all passionate about plant-based diets. So it's really evolved. And I think the more people that are hearing about it, a lot of physicians hear about it from their patients who come back and they have to get off their medication or they've lost a lot of weight or they've normalized their blood sugars or whatever it is. And they go, wait, what happened? You know, How did that happen? I don't see that in my practice, but it's also happened with just this outpouring of people understanding and having the experience and sharing it uh, kind of a grassroots effort. It's happened at every level fundamentally. So I think someone just needs to get that spark of inspiration and have a why. And that's what I talk about in the book is what is your why? You have to define it because it's very powerful because you're going to be constantly bombarded with temptation and food. That's off plan. Like that's, there's no way around it in this world. We're in a very obesogenic society constantly. You're like the odd person out. If you say no to dessert or you say no to your whatever. And so you have to want it badly enough to be able to stand firm in those, those moments, because you know, why, why, what it means to you, why you're doing this in the first place.
0: I think it was such, such great points. You know, I was a VP of medical sales for a big pharma company for a number of years. And what you said about physicians and healthcare professionals, I, my experience was the same. They didn't have a lot of, new, lot of training on nutrition. They had a lot of training on the pharmacokinetics of different medications to cure the ailments, the chronic diseases that our <laughs> certain lifestyles were creating. And uh, I look back on those days now, and I've become much more knowledgeable about nutrition plant-based nutrition. And wow, there there is so much that we can do and help people, what you're doing, by helping them have a lifestyle change and have healthy habits and healthy nutrition. Talk to us a little bit more about what you have seen in that regard, how what you're doing is helping prevent chronic disease.
1: Oh my goodness, Darren. They don't teach you this in graduate school. They don't teach you this in medical school. And I have a lot of friends and colleagues in that field. And we all can concur about this, that we're not even given the option that we could actually reverse conditions and we could get clients or patients off their medications. Like we're taught to mediate or mitigate the acceleration of the disease process. You know, once something starts like from a spark of inflammation or whatever, it's usually from inflammation. Um, these processes unfold and, the whole goal is to mitigate its exacerbation over time. If I could sum it up like that. I mean, I wasn't taught exactly that, but that's, you know, you, you would know that from the, the pharmaceutical industry, it's like, these are, there's great medications out there that can actually save lives, literally save lives every day. I'm not anti pharmaceuticals. I'm not anti anything. I just, whatever will work. But what I've seen in seven, almost 17 years now is Beyond anything I could have ever imagined, people getting on. I always say results are typical to counter what you hear in the pharmaceutical commercials because they are. Like, I know that I could have my clients lose from 0.5 to 0.8 pounds of body fat a day until they get to their goal weight. This is what I see with my clients. I could predict their rate of loss and I could assess their diet and know if they're not, why I can look at a food journal now at this point and go, Oh, this is what's I can know. I do not even have to look at their intake form. I have a couple of new clients today. So I was looking at their intake forms before we got <laughs> on. And I was like, I know exactly why they're coming to me. And I know exactly how to, how to, you know, resolve this and like to, to change the direction and the pathway. So I've seen people get rid of little simple things like me even, and a lot of people get rid of their acne. I had lifelong acne. I tried everything under the sun to solve my skin problem. And It wasn't until I changed my diet profoundly that I just, my skin has never looked like that before. It's there's no more acne and lifelong sinus infections. And so there's the little things, those aren't so little, but like eczema and rashes and allergies, allergies aren't hundred percent, they go away, but a lot of the, the ones that are in the. You know, sinus-related tend to absolve as soon as, resolve as soon as you get rid of dairy. But um, I've seen all the way to major things like people reversing advanced stage cardiovascular di- disease and type 2 diabetes, which has now been substantiated wow. in the literature over the last few decades. So yes. it's extraordinary. So,
0: Juliana, this is a great reminder. Great nutrition has a real impact. Um, and so for us, we can decide if we want that or not. But also for our friends and family whom we love, we have lifelong relationships with, It's something that we can't force on anybody. They also have to look at the evidence, look at the information and make the choice for themselves.
1: I I actually have the exact answer to that question. And uh, from a personal standpoint, my father almost 11 months ago had a stroke. He eats horrendously and he knows what I do. He's seen me lecture. He says he's read my books. I'm not quite sure how far that uh, he's gone in them. But He knows exactly what I stand for and what I've been teaching around the world and what I'm passionate about. And I've talked to him and begged him and cried to him and asked him and sent information and sent him movies, everything I've done, I've done it all. So if you had done it all, here's what happened to me in that circumstance as an expert in the field, my father had a stroke in February and he, when he finally came to, he, he I looked at, I was, he was in Mexico and I couldn't get there because my passport, but I was on the phone with, on FaceTime with him. And I said, dad, what's going on? He's like, well, you know, my diet, Joel, you know, you know, I'm like, dad, you know, this is what I do. And he's like, yeah, Joel, but you have to want it.
0: He said that to you.
1: Yeah. And he meant it and he, and he still won't listen to me. He went right back to his old, he got a second chance and he went right back to his old ways. And it kills me. It's funny because I've helped. I don't know how many people I've helped, but, you know, the people I've worked with over the years in my audience and I get these beautiful messages all the time. But the people that like my parents and my kids, like that are the my sister, like people that are closest to me that I love more than anything in the world. They're the ones that you want to help and you have the least control over.
0: (laughs) Amen to that. That's a whole nother podcast topic right there. (laughs) <laughs>
1: yeah, it's so frustrating.
0: Yeah, so okay, now let's talk about your new book. Uh, it is the Choose You Now Diet. I've got so many questions about it. Uh, tell me, what was the inspiration, though, for the phrase "Choose You Now"? And then let's talk a little bit more in detail.
1: This was the book I've always wanted to write. Literally, from that day when I learned about you know when I when I had that moment with my dance teacher, it started then, and that's where this book began. It was literally a, my journey of Learning and experiencing with my clients and my audiences over these many many well decades at this point, but I evolved my conversations with my clients. It happened. I didn't do. It. I didn't make it happen. It happened over these experiences. Like I work intimately like this with clients. Like I'm looking at them and we're diving into very deep emotional things. Food is so deep. You know that was what my TEDx talk was about. Is like food is everything. We socialize, we, we mourn, we celebrate, we, everything is surrounding what there's cultural deep ties to our food. And so everything comes up in my sessions with my clients. I'm not a therapist, but like, it becomes very profound. And I've, you you know, developed some tools and some things that seem to work, but it all came down to, and I've been, you know, also, I don't believe in coincidences. I think things happen on purpose. And so the conversations I was having with my clients, as well as people, like I have a coach that I talk to 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 support me in my life and those conversations, all of that kind of aggregated into this, this idea of it's all about this moment. You get to choose your weight, your diet, your, that bite, that moment of before you take that bite, which is pretty fundamentally everything. And the moment after you take the bite that wasn't on the plan. So everything moved to this, like choose you and choose you now. Like this moment is everything we can't, we can regret, or we have shame or guilt about the past and we don't know what's going to happen in the future, right? This is not my principles by any mean. I'm not trying to take credit for any of this. But it is all about being in this moment, in this moment, making these conscientious decisions. And so that's what this book is predicated on. It's about how to do that, some thing, ways to think about making those choices, how you make those choices, and then how to execute. And of course, and there's 75 delicious, nutritious recipes to make it um, doable.
0: <laughs> so good. You, I, was, I was looking at some of the tenants in there. I do not want to give away give away the, the book. But I, but I tell you what, the, you brought up the whole notion of kind of in that moment, and isn't it? isn't it just the, the case that um, as you're trying to get more consistent and developing habits, you just really have to win. You have to win the battle of almost that, that next decision in that next opportunity to make the right decision. And you string those together. Of course, you won the day easier said than done, but it does come down to these small decisions. It, just one after another. Uh, am I on, am I on target?
1: You're right on target. It's very simple, but it's not easy. And that's what I deal with, with my clients. That's the difference between what's out there in my books and everything. And then these profound moments that we have talking about those experiences and how to navigate them, how to navigate when someone you love says something to you about your diet or about your body or about what you should and shouldn't do. And it, it drives me very, it makes me, I'm very impassioned about other people having an opinion because everyone eats everyone has an opinion on diet and what you should eat and what you, you know, what, what, what if you're going to eat a plant-based diet, where are you getting your protein? As if, and it's like, well, do you really know what protein is? And most people don't even know what protein is, but everyone has an opinion about that. So I really am trying so hard to change that narrative where people, you know, you wouldn't walk up to someone and say, Oh yeah, you've been putting on the pounds, you know, but someone's very willing to say, Oh, you look too thin you know, so, or unless you're my dance teacher and then you want to tell me to lose weight, but it's just, it's none of anyone's business. It's your body. You get to choose you, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So what, what have you, what have you learned about this? Um, the whole notion of re- the relationship we have with food and what, what advice do you have for those listening who, who, um, want to make a change and whether finding their ideal weight or, um, becoming healthier, um, how does that relate to the relationship that we all have with food?
1: Well, it depends on your relationship with food and it depends on how you're raised and what different foods mean to you. A lot of people think healthy food doesn't taste good. That's another myth to go back to the beginning of our conversation. And I would say that our palates get very shifted from the standard Western diet. It's almost like we can't say that anymore. It was standard American diet and then it was standard Western diet. And now even when I spent time in Asia, it was like that there too, because we've had this, you know, explosion of fast food and all that stuff that's everywhere. And those foods are hyper palatable, you know, chock full of sugars, oils, salts, and this really big dopamine hit that you get when you eat them. So it's a drug-like effect. So you're dealing with biochemistry, you know, and biology and neurology. Like you, we are biological beings nonetheless, you know, we really are, but we're living in this society now and everything around us psychosocially is impacting our biology. It's like, so, so if you're eating those foods, why would you want to stop you? Again, you have to want to want to change because those foods taste good and feel good. You get an actual dopamine hit, which feels yummy and relaxing and satisfying. And so I reprogram my clients to find other things that hit the dopamine that make you that are more sustainably delicious and satisfying. So that when you can, you have to go through a period of time where you're eating these healthier foods, you're not eating, you're not getting that dopamine rush. You're, you're literally shifting your palate. And I can tell you that I've watched thousands of people firsthand, completely transition their palate by staying the course. And so no matter how, depending on where you're coming from, where you start, it might be a little more challenging for some people if they're really eating a very processed diet, but one day after the next, after the next, like any, any habits require day after day, after day, decision, after decision, after decision, like you said, Um, and then your palate shifts. And then by the way, Oh, I feel better. And Oh, I don't need this medication anymore. And Oh, the pounds are falling off. And then the food starts to get more and more delicious. The further away you get from those big dopamine hits, those hyper palatable hits, the better the food tastes. And then you've got the winning, 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 win, com- uh, combination where you've got delicious food, you feel good, you've made it to the other side and the rest
0: is just, wow. yeah. I mean, the, what you're describing, it sounds like you're describing get, getting those habits, getting those habits in place. And then for the period of time where it becomes a lifestyle change, right?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, ha-
0: how, how do you how do you then surround yourself either with the, the the right accountability to pull that off that journey you described in any pursuing any goal? Whoa, that's that's the journey, right? That's why people stop. Give us give us your take as you're coaching people. How do you how do you build accountability and celebrate success and all that to keep people on track?
1: Exactly, and that's those are some of the tools that are in the book for sure because. Again, I tell all my clients like you. know, You could have my books. You could have. My, I do millions of videos. I've done videos and posts and blogs and everything out there that's just accessible. You could read everything I've ever written, and listen to everything I've ever said. But it's the accountability that gets you there. So it doesn't matter how much. You know, I, I, my clients are coaches and healthcare professionals that are that coach other people, but they want the accountability themselves, and of course they do. And so you know, keep a food journal. That's a great, simple way. Hire a dietitian or a coach to help guide you and to be there for you. There's groups that they have. I'm, that's what I'm doing with this, this support group that I'm starting this week to like have people be there for each other. Sometimes accountability can get interesting because people could also talk themselves into making bad choices because they're like wanting to support each other. So you have to make sure you, you choose wisely, the person that will hold you accountable, even when, you, uh, when it's something that everyone kind of wants to do together, you know, cause when you're having dessert, when you're all out at dinner and someone's like, I'll have dessert, do you want dessert? I'll have dessert if you have dessert. And then yes. it becomes this, like, you know, you, you support each other in your, your, um, those habits too.
0: <laughs> There's so many great points on that. And, and so for those who are listening in on this conversation, the question for you is who, who are you sharing your goal with? who's that accountability partner? And is it the right person? Uh, sometimes we, we share our goals with those who will enable us and enable the behavior. So when it's time for the dessert, they'll say, you deserve it. You really do. As opposed to, you really need that, right? So, yep. You can <laughs> go right. in
1: either direction.
0: <laughs> hey, if you, uh, you have 75 recipes, oh my gosh, they look fantastic in your, in your book. Tell us, if you had to choose just one or two, What's oh, I know it's not fair, what would be the one or two that you would say, man, that's the one I'm making for myself or for family?
1: I'm really excited about this book. It's funny because I'll share this with you. I never learned how to cook. I'm not a chef by any stretch of the imagination whatsoever. And when I was asked to write my first book, I had six weeks to write it. I had two babies at home. I was a full-time mom and they said, oh, and 50 recipes. And I said, what, wait, wait, what Like recipes? I don't do recipes. And I had to teach myself how to cook and develop recipes and write a whole book and take care of my kids in six weeks. It was insane. So after, and since then, now I've published seven books and hundreds of recipes and other oh books my. too. So yeah, it became, it became like this journey. And now I never thought I would say this either when I'm like stressed or down, what do I want to do? I go into the kitchen and just want to cook. What? It's like completely trans. I love cooking now. So anyway, there's so many fun ones in here. I would say one of my, two of my favorites are kind of these, um, kind of special bowls. One is called the Athena bowl. And I mean, I wanted to name my daughter Athena and she's so glad I didn't, but I did because the (laughs) goddess of wisdom, but it's a Greek salad bowl with this um, almond tzatziki I made. So it's got this tzatziki Mm. whip and it's got these potato croutons and it's got um, these gigante beans that I marinated and it's really yummy. And then I also have another one that's called a tempeh Reuben bowl because I grew up loving a Reuben sandwich. And so I made it in a bowl and healthy. So it's got like this sauerkraut and it's got a Russian dressing. And I made, oh, this is a fun part of my book. I have this um, whole recipe. There's six different versions or five or six different versions of potato croutons. And my tagline is they're better. They're the next best thing since sliced bread because they taste like croutons but they're made out of potatoes. So they're really healthy. So I have rye, nice. yeah the rye ones are in the, the tempeh bowl. So instead of rye bread, you have the rye potato croutons. So I love that bowl as well.
0: That sounds fantastic. All right. So th- those are your go-to recipes. All right. Got it. Hey, you opened the door. I have to go back to that. That time when you had to create all those, The uh, you had six weeks to create the recipes and re- writing your first book. Boy, you had to get out of your comfort zone. You had to move pretty quick. What was that all about and how did you do it?
1: You know, I think I'm, I thrive when I'm out of my comfort zone. I, I kind of, um, In fact, if I'm not out of my comfort zone, I find a way to put myself there. I don't know what that is about my personality, but I guess I'm really, really um, driven by passion. Like when I'm really excited about something, I just, that's all I want to do. And I get very into it. I probably don't have enough balance in the You know, I don't sleep enough. I'm definitely not good in the sleep department. I know that's really important, Um, but I, I don't know, I just made it happen. It was like I had a deadline and I don't like to flake or disappoint anyone. Like I'm a people pleaser too. So I got it done. I, got, I always get my deadlines in on time. I'm kind of neurotic about it and I want it to be done to my best ability.
0: So Juliana, um, there are maybe those listening that are thinking, you know what? I really want to make a change. I mean, what advice would you have for someone who's thinking that thought right now? What advice would you give them to go for it?
1: Four things. Radical self-acceptance of where you are, where are you right now? This is who you are. And however you got here, this is where you are right now. And without guilt or shame or regret or any of that, just radical self-acceptance. The second one is be positive, make this a really positive journey. It doesn't, there's no, don't self-flagellate if you don't get it perfect. Cause there's no such thing as perfection. You can't really mess this up. You can't undo, you, you can undo any quote unquote mistakes, if you will so stay really positive the third thing is this is a journey so it's like find a recipe that sounds delicious to you something that sounds yummy that you want to taste if it, if it's if your goal is plant based diet or whatever if your goal is transitioning to a healthier diet i'm just assuming that's that's where i'm going cuz that's what i normally focus on but this applies anywhere find the first step right no matter what you're trying to accomplish and 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 execute and and really sit in all of your successes around it. And did you love it? And do you want to add that recipe to your repertoire? Or do you want to toss it? Do you want to move on to the next one? But like really study it and with lots of love and positivity, because there's nothing bad about any of this. It's always moving in the right direction. And the last one is radical self-compassion for the times when you go off plan or for the times that you miss the mark, if you will, and get back on track because that's what matters. It's that moment of deciding F, forget it, or nope, I'm back on choose you now, choose you again, and again, and again, and that will lead to your success.
0: Hmm. Great advice. The book is the choose you now diet. And Juliana, thank you so much for being here. Love the conversation. Where can we reach you? Where can we follow you? Um, What do you have for us?
1: Thank you so much, Darren. I enjoyed the conversation too. I'm at plantbaseddietitian.com and on plantbaseddietitian.com you'll find all my social media. I'm all over there. I'm on, but on Instagram and on YouTube, I'm by my name, Juliana Hever, which is spelled kind of difficult to Julie plus Anna put together. <laughs> and then on uh, Facebook, I'm Dietitian, and Twitter, I'm plant dietitian, but they're all there on my website.
0: Juliana, thank you again for being here. Uh, really, really fantastic discussion and best wishes here in the future.
1: Thank you so much. Best wishes to you,
0: too. Okay, there's Juliana Hever, a dietitian and so much more, the plant-based dietitian. love talking to her, learned so much about nutrition, and boy, we could be talking for hours with her. Uh, what was your biggest takeaway? Uh, for me, I have to say, the, um, the realization that that just getting that nutrition dialed in more has real short-term and long-term benefits. It's not... It is simple, but it is not easy, but boy, it is worth it. For all of us, what do you think? What would be the one or two things we're going to implement in our lives starting today? Uh, Maybe pick a recipe or two. Try a few dishes that maybe you haven't tried before because you've been convinced that there's no protein in it or it doesn't taste good or whatever the case might be, but try it. And what we may be able to um, experience over the next 30 days is a different relationship with our food. But let's take the next 30 days and let's just challenge that. Have some fun with it and try some different things because the benefit, as Juliana shared, could be profound in all areas of our life. So now that you listen to the episode, uh, please share it with friends and family who you think would enjoy this. Leave a review on Apple and also follow me on Instagram. Leave me a message on how things are going for you at Johnson one and also on the I Dare You podcast community. It is on Instagram at I Dare You pod. All right, that's episode 20. Can you believe it? 20 episodes in. Uh, That went by quick. And get ready for episode 21 next week. Can't wait to continue these discussions on the I Dare You podcast. We'll see you then.